Hello, good people. Welcome to the Chris Stefanik Show, the show that helps you find the joy that God made you for in the midst of everyday life. Don't miss us every week as we dive into real issues with real people and answer real questions. God bless you. My friends, so good to have you with me again. For the past two weeks, we've been talking about the body, our relationship with our body. It's one of the steps for living joy is to engage your body in the battle for joy because you're not just pure spirit. You're not an angelic being. When you die and go to heaven... You know, heaven needed another angel. That's not what happens. (laughs) You're a human being. You are a body-soul composite. So a key part of having a healthy spiritual life is having a healthy relationship with your body. And we're continuing that that vein uh, and talking about living joy this week with one of my dearest friends, Patrick Devaney, who uh, had an incredible conversion experience and also had a healing experience uh, in his relationship with food and his struggle with bulimia. And, uh, and, and conquering all that and finding a place of incredible health and a healthy relationship with his body. So, so excited to dive into all this today and to take your questions. And I know tonight's topic is going to kick up a lot of questions. All right, uh, from Patrick's conversion to the struggle with bulimia. Actually, we, we, we might end up making this two shows. We'll see what we get to. But you can feel free to interrupt the interview at any time by texting 720-650-0100. Again, that's 720-650-0100. We're here for you guys. Patrick, my brother. Chris, you have no idea how excited I am. I love you, you know, dude. You know, you're, yeah. you are like, outside of my wife and Father Brian, the reason I'm Catholic. Praise God. You know that. Yeah, man. I, I, I mean, it's a profound honor because I, I really, I love you. And it's, it's just great. I mean, life is so crazy busy uh, that it's great to have a, a, a half hour where we have to not be interrupted. That's right. That's right. <laughs> to talk about all this stuff, man. No question. <laughs> Tell, uh, I want to let you just roll with this because I love, I mean, I, I love conversion stories. Yeah. To me, it's an it's a insight into the heart of God. Like, if you want to get an insight into a painter, stand in front of the painting for a long time and just let yourself take it in and say, Whoa. Yeah. And I was, I was meditating today on, on Ephesians, how you are God's masterpiece. That's deep. Right? Yeah. So I, uh, I just want to look at you for a bit, hear the story, let you run with this, man, and just invite the viewers with me to say, wow, thank God. Yeah. Because it's an insight into the heart of God himself. So tell us your story. What, what made you Catholic? What were you before? It's a beautiful journey. Yeah. I think uh, piggybacking on that, I wish... God's masterpiece went a little quicker. It was a lot of ups and downs in that. Dude, in this good works journey. of art are not fast. I know, I know. It, uh, it is one of those things that I look back and I'm like, man, I um, took a long time to get here. But I know that was all part of my journey. Mm-hmm. And so to take a quick step back, um, grew up, I was raised in California. and was Where? Uh, grew up in Northern California, okay. Bay Area. And um, the hotbed of conservative Catholicism. That's right. And then I went to school at the other one, <laughs> University of Colorado. Um, the other, the other, right? The, the People's other, Republic in Boulder. That's, that's right. That's where you were at. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Okay. It, um, I was born into a pretty broken family, mm-hmm. and uh, my parents got divorced when I was in first grade. I was baptized Catholic, but okay. then all I knew was that 
my mom went to all girls Catholic schools growing up and I was only ever told the story of like the nun with the ruler. Yeah. And uh, so we never practiced unless I was with my grandmother, but I had no idea what we were doing. It's amazing how many nuns with rulers there were out there. And and, and I, and I, like, I'm not going to. I'm not going to undermine the fact that actual suffering happened there, and that was the way of the world, not just in the Catholic yeah. Church, but like everybody thought, well, this is how you teach kids. With no question. And um, it, it is hard for me to believe, though, that, like everybody had a nun with a ruler. Like everybody? Okay, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when was but, the last time you actually saw a ruler? I, I don't <laughs> I mean, know. I haven't man. even seen one <laughs> yeah, for, for that long. But, but, uh, but I, think, I think for a lot of folks, it was they heard about a nun with a ruler, that was an excuse to do what they kind of wanted to do. Again, again, there was some legit pain. I'm not undermining that. Yeah, I mean, it was okay, a, but a pretty with the easy sell in San Francisco in the 70s yeah. uh, to blame yeah. the nun with the ruler. But um, so I never really grew up with it. And I really found myself um, sports was a way to get love into my own life and um, kind of that acknowledgement and affirmation from my parents because mm. the divorce was really nasty. And so... Whether or not I actually... So they, were, they were locked into the anger toward one another. And, That's right. And then you got nothing. And I got pushed in the middle. I mean, there was one point mm-hmm. in the divorce that I had to pick who I wanted to live with. And, uh, you know, I was How old in third grade. And um, they're asking you... Yeah. I had to go in front of the judge and pick who I was going to live with. And at the time, I don't really know any better. You don't want to make that decision. But it started to really... Um, the burden of that. That's right. Such... Um, it's such abuse. I mean, the, the uh, and I understand there are some times where where parents have to separate. That maybe someone's in, a, in an abusive situation, but there's whether it's for a reason someone could justify or not, it always takes the pain of the couple and hands it to a kid. No question. And that's that's just an unfortunate reality and fallout from this. But I just it's heartbreaking to think of you as a third grade kid having to make a decision like that. Totally. Who'd you decide? I ended up going with mom, yeah. um, pressured whether or not I, right. you know, I never wanted to make that, but it was definitely one of those things yeah. um, leading up to it, like pick me, pick me, pick me. And dad was more passive, um, so we never really put that pressure, but you felt it on both sides. Oh and gosh. I, as I've gotten older, so of I've course you grew up thinking I'm responsible for everyone's happiness. And I thought <laughs> right. I was the There's- fault for the divorce. So it was was really heavy. Um, But then the only way that I would get mutual affirmation was through athletics. Mm. Um, I I swear every success story has some dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) Not everyone, but like there's so many incredibly successful people that there's a dysfunction guiding the success. That's right. That. That only lasts so long. At some point, you got to either dump the dysfunction or you just get burnt out. No question. But, no, go ahead. Sorry. I've seen it, uh, well, especially in sports. Yeah, I think yeah. you see the best of the best in sports mm. have some, they're either out to prove somebody wrong or try to uh, redeem themselves. And so they have some broken relationship mm. that it's driving them. Because mm. um, I think you have to to reach that level. Brother, it's, it's a ministry too. No question. It's literally everywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, go ahead. We, we can make a whole show on that totally, one. Totally. That's a whole nother loaded yeah, topic. Yeah. Um, so my story kind of evolved. I was never the most athletic. I was always the biggest, um, tall, lanky kid. And then in high school, my mom finally allowed me to play football. What, what grade were you in high school? Uh, freshman. Okay. Um, and then, uh, it slowly started to kind of take off and I started to, 
kind of get a little acknowledgement mm. um, from just my parents as well as just notoriety in newspaper and whatnot. And then wow. ended up getting a scholarship offered to the University of Colorado. Huge. And didn't, again, had no, it was really just kind of all about me and, and trying to make it to the NFL and had the dream of buying my mom a house and mm. kind of that classic story, but no religion or bigger picture. So my identity was really wrapped up into football. Um, the pressure, that's insane. That's right. And especially yeah. for something you don't, I enjoyed the moments. I didn't love the sport, yeah. but I loved my parents loving me. Mm. So it would drive me to want to have mm. more success. And, uh, and that works as long as you're at the top of your game and winning every time. That's right. Well, so to that point, I go to University of Colorado as a quarterback. Freshman year, um, I just have a horrific um, season. I was mm. redshirting and whatnot. What, uh, what position were you? Quarterback. Oh, quarterback. Sorry. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. So I went there as a quarterback, um, chose CU for that reason. Mm. And then we get a new head coach, and I get, they asked me to move to tight end. Okay. So now I'm in this position of do I stay or do I transfer? Do I try to please my mom? She loved the fact that I was a quarterback and oh, same yeah, with dad, yeah. all the above. But I didn't want to leave Boulder. I loved Boulder too much. Yeah. So I stayed, but I ultimately really hated football. Like I was really, really over it. And, but that was my identity. Like oh, that was. That's misery. That it is. Um, you're playing for people at home to call you. Yeah. And check in on you. Otherwise, wow. they're wow. not really. Wow. Um, and so I, I really began to hate it. And then my junior and senior year, things started to kind of work out. Going from it's illegal to hit me my entire life at quarterback to now being the lead blocker was the hardest move That's I've ever physically made. physically <laughs> a rough job. Yeah, that I wanted nothing to do with. So I was pass catching. Um, wow. And it started to kind of work out. It's, it's really, I'm just contemplating, man. I just, uh, that I could see the direct connection to the third grade kid having to make mom happy. Yep. Miserable playing football, it makes mom happy. Yeah, I mean, my I mean, mom, then, right. she was the one that wore all the pins. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. had it all over herself and, and knew that was her pride and joy. And almost her identity became me, especially, you know, being... Mm. At that point, she had been remarried, but it was another broken relationship. And it was about me and my success, mm. which made it really tough. And you didn't want to let her down. Mm. Um, so I ended up starting to make it work out. And then when I was so I got a little bit more excited about it and just assumed that when I was done, I would get a good job and make Forbes 30 under 30. Yeah. And that was kind of the vision. Um, and I ended up getting uh, an opportunity to go to the Seattle Seahawks. Hating football. Hating football. But in my mind, I was like, okay, at least now I can check the box, say I made it. Um, for everybody else. For everybody else. Yep. But I want out. I, I want this to be over with. But I was still trying, and I knew what was possible. I remember signing the contract, and if so I made the team. It's, it it's amazing to me that while hating it, uh, you train like a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't just accidentally get an offer to go to the Seahawks. That's right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's an insane amount of physical training. Yeah. And pressure to, to be... And a lot of people, like, I, I work out for fun. What's the difference between someone's working out for fun and then someone who's, like, professional athlete level? Like, are you always thinking about, about the amount of... Exactly what's going in your mouth? <laughs> exactly right. what's... How many reps? How How can you get better? I think it's also... 
I personally was really manipulative mm. in that process, telling people, because you're always looking for that little bit extra edge. So I was the guy, and it's more common than not, of like, no, I'm going to go home, eat pizza tonight, this and that. And then you get home and it's chicken breast, broccoli, brown rice. But you're wow. trying to give that illusion to your, you know, the so other So they would eat pizza and you that's have right. a little edge. That's <laughs> oh, right. man, or that's you, intense. You leave a workout and you're kind of like, all right, have a good day. And then you're back in the gym and you're trying to find that wow. advantage. And you have the coaches. I think that's the biggest thing that separates normal workouts versus, you know, these coaches, their jobs on the line. So they're trying to push you as hard as you can. Wow. Um, so yeah, I wanted it bad. I wanted to be able to get the love from my mom Mm. and buy her house. Mm. I had zero desire to actually be in the NFL playing. And, um, so, so God often, uh, sets us free from these things by having them not work. Yeah. Right. Like it's, uh, if I, I can live with the delusion that I'm everybody's hero as long as I'm actually able to fly and like That's it's right. actually working. Yep. Uh, so tell me how, how did he how did he free you from this? Well, I think it took a few more years. So that um, I ended up rupturing a tendon my wrist, and my three best friends ended up playing in the NFL. So we were all living wow. together. One of which signed a gigantic contract. So one injury, you're knocked out. That's man. it. That's it's amazing. It. And it was game over at that point. I took my first job, had surgery. I was a host in a restaurant. So I go from running out in front of 80,000 fans to now I'm in a restaurant taking names at the front desk. And that's right. And meanwhile, my roommate's best friends, one signed a $60 million contract before he even stepped on the field. So I'm tying an apron. He's out there. So the comparison games start happening. And you were this close. Even though we're all best friends and and going to the same Mm -hmm. dinners, but I can't afford the sushi dinner. Like I'm, yeah. I'm stuck. I'm living off tips. Um, so it was starting to become really heavy and I lost my identity of who I was. Wow. I had no idea who I was going to be now or what I wanted Best to thing do. That's happened to you, buddy. Yeah. Well, and then the one thing I threw myself into was yeah. fitness and dieting. Okay. And I had said to myself, if I'm not going to be in the NFL, I'm going to look like I'm in the NFL. Okay. And it went too far. And wow. that was where... I became really extreme in that journey to the point where I would literally go to restaurants and I couldn't control what was on the menu, but I would bring chicken breast, get a salad and put it on my plate. We're at like nice restaurants in LA and my buddies are like, dude, what is your deal? Like get the pasta, it's phenomenal or whatever. Um, But I couldn't wrap my head around getting that many calories or not being able to control it. A lot of it was about control. And Again, time back to that childhood. Well, That's right. Yeah. And safe. you want to, uh, I didn't ever dive into alcohol or drugs mm. or any of that kind of stuff. I dabbered in some of that stuff, but I, it wasn't my outlet or my release. For me, wow. it was food. Um, and so then in 2015, my mom passed away unexpectedly. Mm. So I went from football as my identity to then it was my mom and solely trying to provide for her. So then when I lost her, she <sighs> went to sleep, never woke up heart gave out and there was no Sorry. issues. I appreciate it. Um, I went off the deep end and with mm. my eating disorder mm. and, um, so all the desire for control approval, it was like, this is all I have left. That's right. That's it. Yeah. What did that, what did that going off the deep end with an eating disorder look like for you? Um, basically 
I was confined in my house. I wouldn't leave because I was afraid of the environments that I couldn't control. Mm. And when I would leave, what would generally happen if I went to a buddy's birthday party, I would binge on all the food there because I wouldn't mm. ever have it and I couldn't stop. Um, and so it was kind of this like out of body experience of letting go of control. Wow. And wow. then you go into like over exercise, trying to burn all that stuff off and punishing yourself. Mm. So I was isolated in my house with very little food in there because I knew I would binge on it. And then yep. it basically got to a point where I sat there in my room and literally started to kind of dream of, I was living by the ocean and I was like, what if I just drifted away? Wow. Like this is it. Like, wow. I'm miserable. It would be easier if I was no longer here. Throwing yourself into bulimia, wanting to die. Yep. This is rock bottom, man. That's right. Yeah. And God, that was the moment, literally a week after that, God threw a lifeline. And I was randomly listening to a podcast on exercise. So I had no idea. I didn't even know men could get eating disorders. Wow. And it just so happened to be a podcast on eating disorders. Yeah, I think the sense that no no other guys like me. Correct. Nobody else has this. That's right. And there are a smaller percentage of guys that have this than women. Mm-hmm. But that that lie is so isolating. You must right. that must have been totally totally part of the misery. Like I'd rather yep. be dead because there's no help if no one else is like me. Yep. It's that sh- the, the evil one, man. That's right. The the end of the Bible, Revelation calls the devil the accuser of our brothers. He just wants to accuse and just isolate Yeah, shame. It was the shame was the hardest part because I started to beat myself up and I got to where I was athletically yeah. through discipline and I could no longer control the discipline. Wow. Yeah, I was being controlled by something and I thought I was starting to go crazy, hence suicidal thoughts and all this kind mm. of stuff and the pain of my mom. Um, so listening to a podcast, yeah, you listening re- to realize it. you're not alone. I'm not, all of a sudden, I'm like, what is this thing they're talking about, this eating disorder? Yeah. And I had no idea what it was. So then I started to reach out and try to start like, do I need help? I need to talk about mm. this. And when I finally got diagnosed, it felt like the weight of the world came off my shoulders because it was no longer me. Wow. It was an eating disorder. Yes. So I finally this had is... a little positivity yeah. in my life. The momentum started to swing. That and, distinction, I want to mull yeah. on that for a second, because every sin anybody deals with, mm-hmm. or any emotional problem or wreckage in their marriage, whatever the heck it is, yep. people instantly, the accuser of our brothers, associate it with who they are at their core. Yep. And it's like, no, 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 this is not who I am. This is something I'm currently dealing with. That's right. And when you, when you put it out there, this is one of the reasons uh, confessions, like cathartic no experience. Yep. It's, it's like it takes that... <laughs> Here it is. Let's that's look right. at this with another human being. Just psychologically, that's so healing. No question. Uh, counseling, same, same kind of, of effect. Of course, with confession, you also get sacramental grace, particularly with sin. But, totally. <laughs> but uh, the whole thing is so yeah. awesome. Yeah. It, uh, yes. So I want to get, there's a <laughs> yeah. story with that one, too. We need I, like three hours, man. No I have question. 11 minutes left. But we're going to probably do two shows on this. But, I love but go, it. go ahead. Um, so I end up going through that process of recovery and... Um, one of my football coaches ended up reaching out. I was still kind of going yeah. in and out of dark times. And he was like, have you ever, have you ever thought about God? And I was like, wow, no, not really. And wow. he was actually, uh, Wait, before some, you go in more into that, the, yeah. what was the, what was the biggest thing with your recovery? That was it just realizing this is not who I am? Uh, or was it, uh, the, was it, was the main journey one of letting go of control? What was the, the, the pivotal 
it aspect was, that you worked on? That it wasn't me, was that key. it was bigger than myself, and then starting to realize that it was this lack of identity. And so was, identity all hits that's out. That's right. Okay. And I was putting my identity in all this other stuff. Wow. And so, so you're realizing that, but you don't yet have God. Correct. Uh, was there a, was there a gap that was just as profoundly empty? You know, like I'm getting better, but I still don't have an identity. That's right. Uh, <laughs> I was starting to control. So that's what happened. I was starting to control my food, and then the first girl that just like looked at me post mom, I started dating, and wow, wow. It, it was someone I knew from college. It was really an unhealthy relationship. Uh, she was awesome, all the above, yeah. but it. I was willing to do anything, yeah. zero backbone in my, in who I was, yeah. but I was getting a better relationship with food. Um, so and you're kind of pulling up, it together and at least, you know, yeah, the, 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 it's not, I'm, I don't know where the identity is found, but it's not in these bad things. That's right. So then, uh, someone calls you from your old coach calls you. So we break up. I'm super depressed. Old football coach calls me out of the blue. Talk about God. That's right. And I'm like, what is happening? He wants to go meet for coffee. Wow. We meet in Boulder. And next thing I know, I'm obsessed. And I'm like, what is this thing? Because I started to realize... Who is this Jesus? That's right. I was like, who is this man you're talking about? <laughs> but I started to notice that's that at grace. the end of the day, he taught me Romans 8, 28. And is- knowing that no matter what, it's all for the glory of God. Mm. And it's, no, it's not something I can control, whether I want it to or not. It's going to play out mm. for him. And I started to look at my own life and being like, I don't know why my mom died so young, unexpectedly, but it's taking me somewhere. And then sure enough, I start going to a Protestant church, um, which was a great experience. Yeah. Uh, where, where were you going? Red Rocks right. out here. Yeah. One of the, the mega ones. It's mega. Yeah. And they're phenomenal. And I didn't know any different, but I became in love with it. And in love with the Lord. That's right. I and mean, that was the entrance into Jesus. No right question. There. That's at incredible. The, at the ultimate extreme. And then... Yeah met my now wife and I was convinced I was going to convert her <laughs> and she was a focused missionary. So I, I didn't stand a chance. Uh-huh. Um, and next thing I know, I show up at Lord's, we bounced around to a bunch of different churches. None of it was yeah. landing for me. And then, um, ended up at our lady of Lords here in Denver and was won over by father Brian. And I remember the first time Steph saw you at mass and yeah. I looked over, she's like, that's Chris Stefanik. He has like 50 million followers. <laughs> and I looked over, I looked at the yeah, wrong guy. Zeros. I looked at the wrong guy and I was like, that guy has like, I'm like, wait, what? And then I got to meet you and it was just, uh, it was game over at that point from your, it was a rare experience to meet somebody in the Catholic church. That was so real. Mm-hmm. Um, and, counter to everything else I was seeing. Um, That's humbling, man. So here, yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, it's been an up and down journey, but now at the end of the day, I know I have God no matter what comes and goes in my life. It's incredible, and it's, man. That's the foundation that I now have. So the, the, with the, the whole struggle with eating disorders, yeah. how has the spiritual life healing uh, been part of the continued healing because I know every healing in our lives like it's like peeling back the onion it just That's keeps right. getting deeper and deeper and deeper uh, and previously you had been just what's somewhat vaguely spiritual but not religious and then not you're really. Christian then you're then you're uh, Catholic Christian and how how were these two journeys intersecting it finally gave me a purpose mm. like knowing that I had God yeah and that I could look up to that and that's 
to what you said earlier. I mean, I became obsessed with the confession mm-hmm. out the gates. I just almost too much. Um, but it was now bigger and I wasn't searching for something. And with yeah. the eating disorder, I was searching for something. So it solidifies the healing. That's, That's right. That's what it really does. That's right. Uh, we had a great question with your parents getting divorced. Did you have fear entering to marriage? hundred percent. Yeah. I, I think that. I still do. Um, and it's something that because Steph is nothing like what I grew up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm an only child. She's one of four girls. All of a sudden I get married. Now I have siblings mm-hmm. and I never did. So I dealt with all of that growing up, um, by myself. So I don't know how to ask for help. I don't want to do a lot of that stuff. And I've only seen broken relationships. So really diving into communication and, um, prayer together. Yeah. It's, there's a lot that my natural instincts, it's a lot to overcome. Yeah. It, 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 it's, right. It's intimidating. And, there, there's, I, and it's, it's a beautiful thing. Like the Lord's never done with us. It's kind of annoying Lord. Yeah. And it's, and it's often <laughs> through painful experiences that he keeps digging in there. Yep. You know, um, but there's, uh, something I've, I've been working on in the past few years. Cause I've, I've been, I was at the top of my game with speaking and then all of a sudden COVID happens and then I'm that's gone. No question. You know, yeah. uh, but then it, it revealed for me mixed motives I had had yep. and ways that I had, um, it, the Lord uncovered this, ways I had just taken secret vows. I went through some great healing with the guy, Bob Shoots. Okay. Um, that when you believe certain things just from your childhood, you start to make promises that you didn't know you made. That's you right. You will without willing to. That's right. I, uh, and I, I realized I, I, there were parts of the, the things that motivated me in ministry that were tied to, uh, I have to be everyone's hero and, and no help question. everyone all the time. Yep. And that's good to a point. Yep. <laughs> then yeah. it burns you out. That's right. Diminishing uh, returns right. on that one. Yeah. yeah. But the, the within marriage, um, that these secret vows that you you take that like, I, I will not be my dad, mm-hmm. right? Or I, I, I'm, I'm going to act out of that. Well, you don't want to be your dad in, in that old relationship. But that can't be the thing you live out of in That's marriage, right. you know? Or I have to make mom happy or everybody happy. And then you get exhausted as a dad. Yeah. Uh, but it's amazing how within marriage, all these wounds That's right. are so exposed. Yep. And uh, yeah, I remember this one counselor I went to. He's like, you get married thinking it's your healing balm. And you discover it's the diagnosing <laughs> finger of God. Totally, totally. It's like pushing on the brake. And like, how's it there? Like, That's man, right. Stinks. Every yeah, button that can be pushed. Yeah, it's, it's pushed. I think the biggest thing I've learned, because I know my mom was my absolute best friend. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, I realize how heavy it was and the more that I've had to kind of walk through that journey, peeling back the layers of the onion. Um, But it's also taught me empathy Mm. and knowing that she grew up in a very broken home. And so now to that question and being able to answer that of like, there's this underlying pressure of like being different and trying to break that chain. um, That's been a very interesting journey. Yeah. Praise God for the the continued healing. Favorite scripture. Your favorite scripture is 1 Corinthians 1031. 1031. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's right. Why is it your favorite scripture? It actually, truth be told, when I was starting to develop my relationship with Jesus, um, and I became obsessed with John Eldridge. So my relationship was looking at God and, and not having a, a real father presence in my life. Yeah. Um, I said, I want to find scripture that has to do, that I can relate to with mm. an eating disorder. So when I started to think to myself, like, I don't abuse food, just like you wouldn't alcohol, Mm. drugs, any of that kind of stuff. 
and do it for the glory of God. Mm. It then became like a motivational piece for me. Yeah. And I still don't understand how that all plays into scripture. Right. Truly. But for me, that's what it meant. So I memorized it. It's one of the few verses that I so actually do know. It gave you a relationship <laughs> with food that was outside of food. That's right. Um, I think I think we have, you know, there's problems psychologically that we deal with. Yep. And obviously, you can see the t- tie-in between your childhood and eating disorders. But then there's problems on a metaphysical level yep. that we that we struggle with that society usually overlooks, and we just deal with the what's often a, a symptom of a metaphysical problem. Totally. Right. Yep. Like that, this human being has no relationship with anything outside of himself. Yep. Except maybe the, the universe. Totally. But did you did you have a relationship with the universe? I, I did. did it? Yeah, I did. That's uh, more than I would care to admit. That <laughs> yeah. was the L.A. thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I 100. percent It was like a this personal thing. God is so much better. That's right. Well, and it's funny. I always look at that, and it's basically the whole message. They just remove God. Uh, it's it's I, I find it somewhat laughable. Yeah. Because it's like okay, if by universe you mean this spiritual force that has an intellect and will such that he can it can interact with you that's god that's right only one that maybe you don't want to answer to like i don't really know who you're speaking to but you speak to this universe, universe. and it's going to provide right type thing having a personal god so much better uh you know I'm, I, like, one more question yep. uh, we're going to go over time a little bit okay guys in the sound booth like okay, cool does patrick have a relationship with his dad that just came in it's funny i once my mom died Yes. Yeah. Before he was the ultimate dad um, at sports, mm. first one at the field, last one off. That was our bond. Yeah. Once my mom died, that was a big piece in my journey was mm. getting to know him again. And he was supportive, but we still don't have the relationship that, um, you know, I don't go to him for yeah. full advice. We just, it's awkward. It's mm. really tough. I can open up with you, and I have yeah. with you way more than I do my dad. Yeah. But I've definitely learned to love him unconditionally and, mm. and let go of a lot of stuff in the past because, again, trying to have empathy for him. Yeah. yeah. But it's slowly building. And uh, it's never too late, man. It's not. Isn't it's, that a beautiful thing? It is. It's, it's another never too journey, late. but it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's it is, on its way. It is. That's one of the reasons I love the Catholic Church's teaching of purgatory, too, because like, some people think, well, it's too late for me. My mom or my dad's dead. It's like, no, you can forge a relationship by praying for their soul. That's and make right. Make sacrifices. And then that person gets to heaven in part because of your participation in the redemptive work of Jesus. And they know it. That's right. Uh, they know it on the other side. Yep. And that's the, the feeling of being able to do that is. It's kind of mind blowing. So no it question. doesn't put all the pressure on the here and now. That's like we, right. We work on it here and now, but we it just keep, it keeps going. Yeah, because there's you know? a lot that I wish I could have said, asked, yeah. done, all the above that can't now. Yeah. But to that point, I mean, every time in mass when they, you know, yeah. your your intentions. We offer them up, man. Every time I pray for my yeah. mom. Now, um, I know we're over time, but I, I gotta I gotta ask you this. Yeah. What was what was the hardest thing from going to Red Rocks Christian? To Roman Catholic, I'm sure you had obstacles, uh, and, and you know what was the biggest obstacle? What was the the hardest transition from coming in the doors? The perception of the rules. Mm. Um, I went from you know you're there at praise and worship to yeah. the fog machines, and everyone's just on fire for. There's Jesus. no fog machines at Lords. No fog machines. No, you know it's very intimidating walking yeah. in at 30. Being like, I don't know there where is to incense. stand, Neil. There is. We have smelly fog machines. Sometimes a little too much when FB's up there swinging that thing. Um, but you don't know when to stand, yeah. kneel down. All the, I yeah. don't know what to say. And there was a lot of pressure of just mm. like, 
especially with my background, it was like, what do you mean we're not going to live together before we're married? Mm. A lot of that kind of stuff mm. that I had to, in my head, overcome. Do you know what's funny? Again, back to the cues of our brothers. The newcomer will, will think, I don't know what I'm doing. And at least at Our Lady of Lords, like everybody's looking at the newcomer thinking, yeah, this is awesome. That's right. He, he doesn't even know what he's doing. This is great. That's uh, it. Yeah, it's amazing. The, the self-perception. We put so much pressure and weight on ourselves. No That's question. really there at all. Uh, so, dude, I, I, uh, I'm just so grateful for your vulnerability. I, I love that, you know, one of the things that, that drew you to the Catholic Church, I'm honored to be a small part in the story, Huge to part, see yeah. my vulnerability, <laughs> and now the Lord's using you in that same way. Like, for you as a guy to put yourself out there, and, and we got a handful of questions tonight, but um, I know a lot of people are, were watching and will see this after the fact, too. Yeah. And your vulnerability is going to lead to healing. People say he's a cool guy and he struggled with this. So just thanks for for opening your heart. You know the Caravaggio where uh, Jesus, after his resurrection, he's shown his side and Thomas puts his finger. That's right. When we do that, yep, man, people encounter the Lord. Yeah, you know through through these wounds. Well, I appreciate so thank that. Thank you for that. No, I, well, thank you for everything. And I, you know, I think the one piece in in life right now, what you said with the confession is. Yeah. We're too isolated. So yeah. being able to just make these, everyone's going through something. Mm-hmm. And if it's the ability for me to just be honest of that mm-hmm. journey um, and know that it could affect one person out there of like, mm-hmm. I'm dealing with it too. I didn't know that was possible, any of the above. Yeah. Once you get it out there, it, it's the weight of the world off your shoulders. Amen. Brother, look at the, look at the camera. Give, give us a last word, maybe to someone who's, who's watching and struggles uh, with eating disorders. You're not alone. Um, is definitely the biggest piece. And there's way more people that struggle with it than don't. And um, all it takes is just reaching out and asking for help, whether it's from a clinician or me or anything. Um, How do they reach you, by the way? uh, Mostly on Instagram is probably the best way. Patrick Uh, Deveni. At Patrick Deveni. And um, yeah, it's helps out there. So don't feel like you're in it alone because it's a daunting task. Amen. And all these things, all these things, every struggle, every trial, every, even every sin, everything, once you give yourself to the Lord, works out for the good for those who love and serve him. That's right. Everything. That's how powerful he is. Romans 8, 28. That's it, man. We we try to make a dissonant note and the Lord's like, let me widen my symphony and include that one. That's right. But I want it now. now. (laughs) Make it happen sooner. (laughs) Yeah, dude. It's great to be on this journey with you, brother. Love you. Love you too, Thank you. Guys, thank you so much. For, uh, for being with us and being on the journey with us, for asking your questions, and we will see you next week. Man, wasn't that great? Listen, if you don't want to be happy, be sure not to subscribe. But if you want a more joyful life, the kind of life that God created you for, the kind of life Jesus promised when he said, I came to give you life to the full, then make sure you hit subscribe and share this channel with everybody you know.